struggle is not my fault. All this I hustle as my friends I lost my baby. Let me smoking crack only today. Want to change? He wanted it, so I could give it a try. Well, I do feel. Welcome back, Crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. College tennis conference play is upon us, and there were some wild finishes this past weekend to wrap up the regular season. But to keep you updated, we have our guy, Matt Stokowiak, at the Cary Tennis Park in North Carolina for all the latest ACC conference action. Uh, Rob Thomas just wrote a killer piece on why we should all hail Rafa because he is truly the king of the clay. So go check that out. Uh, we also just released the Dennis Kudla pod. So be sure to listen to that right after this if you haven't already. But one quick plug, go follow our Twitter and Instagram pages. The handle is, of course, Cracked Rackets. And if you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review the Great Shot podcast. Alex Gruskin, Max Rothman, and Max Fliegner have new episodes with that banterous back-and-forth style you love every single week. They're currently reviewing the ATP American Hardcourt Swing but on this edition of the Cracked Interviews, Ohio State standout Mikhail Torpegard joins the podcast as the Buckeyes enter the postseason as one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, Torp discusses his decorated collegiate career with us, NCAA tournament expectations, playing Rafael Nadal on his home court in Denmark for Davis Cup, winning his first challenger title in Columbus, uh, Coach Ty Tucker's affinity for sweatpants, gives us a detailed geography lesson, uh, well, gives me a detailed geography lesson um, for the comparison or the difference, I should say, between Sweden and Switzerland. Gives us the inside scoop on his death metal band and, of course, his plans post-graduation. This is one of my favorite college interviews we've done so far. But before we get to Torp, let's hear from our sponsor. Alex, I'll be honest, I haven't said it to you much, but I really don't like your fashion off the court. What, you think I wear too many tennis clothes? You know, it's, I mean, yes, but <laughs> it's not that you wear too much tennis clothing. It's just you're not wearing the right type of tennis clothing. What do you mean? There's a specific brand I should be wearing? You clearly haven't heard of the new tennis clothes company called Cross Court Threads. Cross Court Threads, is that going to be something with knitting? No, not exactly, although they do use high-quality material. In fact, they have some pretty unbelievable designs on their website. You're the one who criticizes my clothing, so uh, I'll leave the design choices up to you. What do they got? They've got an awesome Rebel Legend tee with the all-famous Andre Agassi on it, rocking the nice lechuga out the back. Lechuga? Oh, my god. Oh, let gosh. me tell you, he's got some beautiful flow. They've also got a nice 40 love hat with some beautiful cursive. What about for the truckers out there? Any trucker hats? Oh yeah, they've got a trucker hat. A beautiful logo trucker hat with the cross threads logo on it. And you know, I keep it low key, but sometimes I wear leggings on the courts. Anything for me? They've got some racer leggings that look perfect for that nice round butt of yours. Goes up to XXL? <laughs> that it does. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, Maxie, 
while my USTA player number may still be active, I consider myself more in the retired phase, more analyst than player. If there is a way for me to be an Instagram ambassador for cross-court threads, you know, maybe flaunt the gear I'm wearing, not necessarily pick the designs, is there a program for me to do that? You can be a brand ambassador in the brand ambassador program. Look, it's a four-month program and you seem like the perfect candidate as someone who's a frequent wearer of tennis clothes. I mean, it sounds like the program for me. Where can I apply? You can apply right on their website, crosscourtthreads.com. And check this out. If you subscribe to their email list, you'll get 10% off. It's crosscourtthreads.com. That it is, crosscourtthreads.com. Crosscourtthreads.com. You know what, Alex? I liked that bit the first time, but let me just remind the listeners, it's crosscourtthreads without the dash, just crosscourtthreads.com. I know what you're getting me for my birthday. Oh, yeah? What is that? Crosscourtthreads.com. All righty. Torp, first and foremost, welcome on the Cracked Interviews pod. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, tonight, we're also joined by my co-host, host of the Great Shop podcast, Alex Gruskin. Pleasure to meet you. And I feel like the Torp was a little bit aggressive. I don't know. Are we down to, is it fine if we call you Torp? Does that work? <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. All no, right. No, perfect. We go, we're boys. We go way back. <laughs> <laughs> you, you text him twice and you think it's just Torp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. That works. Yeah, but uh, we're excited to have you on, man. Uh, typically, we start with the progression of, you know, junior, your college decision, college experience, and then get to your pro experiences. But I think Gruskin has a little something to get us started off here. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a little something. I just wanted a little disclaimer before we start the pod. Uh, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that I'm a University of Michigan guy. And so out of spite tonight, I'm wearing my Michigan gear. <laughs> uh, you guys obviously <laughs> took it to yeah, you took it to us a couple weeks ago. But, uh, right, right. You, yeah. You know, so I still got to hold my ground. No, you could <laughs> I'm sitting in full out Ohio State gear, so don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. There you go. You've <laughs> counted him completely then. That's great. Yeah, I like it. Um, but let's, yeah, speaking of, let's start with the season. You guys are on a 10-match win streak going going into number eight and in-conference rival Illinois this weekend. You guys ready to play in Champaign in a couple of days? Uh, it's actually a home match we're hosting. So, uh, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Otherwise, I have my information wrong, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure we're at home this weekend. Well, then you don't need any travel plans. Then you're good. To, you're in Columbus. Then. Yeah, it'll be an exciting match. I mean, I'm pumped for it. It's it's a good team. It's always uh, tough to play, you know, especially uh, towards the end of the t- season where people are a little bit tired mentally and physically. You know, it's going to be a good match. They have a bunch of good players. You know, Vukic is very good, obviously, and down the lineup there they've got some really good guys so it'll be a, an exciting match that's for sure you know you've won a couple of big 10 titles already but just in terms of this season how important is getting that last big 10 regular season title yeah you know it's always important for me and the team and for the coaches and and uh winning it this year my senior year would obviously mean a whole lot and and going out you know in style uh would be great and both the regular season and the tournaments are our huge goal, if not the biggest goal, you know, besides, the, the, of course, the NCAA title to, to win every season. And, and as I said, you know, senior year, it's, it's something you definitely don't want to uh, miss out on or, or lose in the finals or whatever. So it's, uh, it's important to us, very important. Yeah, and you're undefeated in conference play thus far. How's the team feeling overall heading into the last leg of the season? 
Right. I mean, we're feeling good. Uh, a lot of the guys are playing very well. We got some winning streaks going, and and uh, I think we got a, a very good team and depth. Uh, we got, you know, eight nine guys that are could be playing, and and uh, I think people are injury free for the most part. So, I think the season is uh, is definitely something to watch out for. High stage, you know, uh, not just in Big Ten play, but uh, but also on an, uh, the NCAA level. You know, the, the the tournament and at the end of the season. So that'll be exciting. Totally fair, Torp. And you being a senior, you know, in case our listeners don't know, you are a senior now at Ohio State. Right. You've accomplished so much in your career. You've made an NCAA final in singles. Uh, you've made, you know, ITA indoor finals. But coming into this last year, you know, how important will that NCAA run be? And is it all about winning a title for you? Is it that or bust? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The only reason why I came back, you know, after last year was to win a title. And, and if I didn't believe that we could do it, I wouldn't be here sitting in Columbus. So definitely it means everything. I mean, it, it is definitely the title or bust. I mean, that's just how it is. And we're a very competitive team and, and uh, the coaching staff, you know, very competitive as well. So so definitely uh, there is one goal this season. And, and I think, you know, if we've if we've had a team to do it at Ohio State, obviously we had some unbelievably strong teams uh, back going back. But I think this team this year is, is very good. We got some younger guys, some new energy and stuff. So I, I really believe in our chances, you know. That's why I came back. That's for the title. Yeah, I, I want to dive a little deeper into that. Um, that was actually going to be one of my questions, why you did decide to come back. You were Big Ten Player of the Year last year, ranked one or two all season long, you know, singles All-American, doubles All-American, et cetera. Um, when you see that, you know, the team has a pretty solid recruiting class, specifically, I mean, only McNally coming into the lineup, that just adds depth to your team coming into this year. So was that a decision that you made with Ty, with Coach Tucker? Yeah, me coming back definitely was a, a decision made with Ty and, and made, I mean, just by myself, you know, thinking about if I'm ready to go pro or not, because there's no doubt I'll end up being pro. And, and if I win last year. Uh, I sat down and I thought to myself, you know, am I ready to go pro? And uh, I felt like there's still a lot of aspects in my game that I can improve on. And and I felt like I wasn't, you know, mentally ready or or game-wise ready. And I think I worked on a lot of things, you know, coming in, approaching the net more. That's so important once you start going pro and that I felt like I lacked a little bit in my game last year. So uh, getting better and on the, you know, uncertain aspects of my game definitely weighed that decision towards coming back and, and um, it, it ultimately came down to my own decision and, and how I felt about it. So so uh, definitely I talked to Ty about it and he wanted me back. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's it's tough to, to lose a, a one single at, at every at any team. So definitely he he uh, he wanted me back. But at the end of the day, he left it up to be my decision. And and uh, I was the one, you know, deciding to come back here. I, I promise you, Ty Tucker will always have had you back. Under no scenario, you said no. You know, Torp, you got to go pro. Um, uh, but no, you know, that's what he did to Rola. I mean, Rola, <laughs> he, he, he pushed him to watch going pro, you know, because third, he, he was at a point, you know, he came in, he was 300 in the world when he came in. And, you know, his situation was a little bit different. But, uh, you know, Ty, Ty is, is a, you know, he wants the best for his players, definitely. And, Obviously, he wants the title more than anything, but uh, but definitely I trust in his decision as well that that some of the things in my game, you know, needed improving, and and I felt that way too. So it's not because he, he he dragged me back by the feet and uh, to a higher state, even though some people might have thought that. 
I thought you and Cardell Jones were going to be a package deal. And I was, you know, pleasantly, I guess, upset when, uh, you know, you stayed and he left. I would have liked it the other way. Uh, but that, that's the last of the Michigan-Ohio State jokes, I swear. Yeah, I got it. But so I I want to ask you a couple more things about this season. You know, again, we mentioned individually you've made an NCAA tournament singles final. Uh, how right. important is it in your last go round to you know garner up those individual accomplishments, whether it's NCAA all tournament team, you know, the number one ranking, things like that. Yeah, you know, as as an international player, uh, at the end of the season, if you stand with the trophy in your hands, you know, all you get is the trophy and the handshakes. You know, there are no no wild cards, no no money, no really, you know, in it. So it's great. Of course, the honor is unbelievable. I stood in the final and I I, uh, I had the shot once and I would love to be there again and I'm going to try to be there again for sure. But it's not something, you know, that that is uh, unbelievably important to to focus on it's it's of course it's it's important with the confidence and winning a lot of matches in a row and so on uh so mentally it's it's important but you know uh it's it's something that i'm gonna try for but you know it doesn't mean you know everything to me that i stand there as, as a ncaa champion yeah, I, I understand that. And then in terms of, you know, the other thing you'd be striving for is the team success. You've mentioned right. you know, how, how important chasing that right. title is this year. And for our fans who don't follow college tennis as closely, you know, the last really, you know, four out of five years, Virginia has taken the title. The last three years in particular, they had a very strong team, all kids in the same grade, all kids who have now graduated. And so my question to you, you know, with the field being relatively wide, open you know there's ucla wake forest yourselves and a few others you know what are this is your chance shameless plug why should we be thinking about ohio state for the national title yeah i mean there's definitely a wide uh, range of teams that has the shot and and uh, as you said virginia has lost uh, a lot of their uh, very like very strong horses so there isn't really a one team that that is heavily favored to win so i think Ohio State, at least uh, in my opinion, is is one, if not the hardest working team in the country on the practice court, and the hours we put into it, and and all that goes behind it, as uh, definitely adds up towards the end of the season, and and being in in unbelievably sh- good shape, which all of the guys are in at the end of the season, I think that that uh, we're physically uh, favored to win and uh, do, or if not win then do very well and go deep into the tournament uh, obviously all the guys are going to have to play you know 95 100% of their level in order to beat teams like Wake Forest or UCLA or some of those teams Texas A&M you name them but uh, I think that uh, that the practices and, and everything we've really put behind the season has been extraordinary and and I think that's what puts us up there with the teams that definitely has a shot at the title. For sure, for sure. And and just, you know, we've talked about Wake Forest and UCLA, and they both have stitched together great seasons. But like you mentioned, no one has been perfect as in years past. How does this team differ as opposed to last year? I know you bring in a guy like John McNally, who's a top five junior, but what's the overall feel of this team, and how is it different as opposed to last year in April? It's different. I mean, we lost uh, two seniors, Hugo DeFeo and Herco Pollen, in last year. Uh, 
going into the season, we lost those two guys. They're very good guys. Uh, you know, very good deep in the lineup too with Herco. And uh, it's tough losing them, but obviously McNally is a great player and, and uh, he's coming on for the team. And we've got Tim Seibert as well, you know, coming in, filling the four hole. Uh, who's done? Who's had both had a, a great season so far. So in that regard, it kind of evened out. So I feel like our team this year is very good, uh, and uh, if not a little bit better than last year. And last year, I mean, we semi-final lost to Virginia, who was by far the, the, the favorites. And um, this year, having a equally or maybe a little bit better team than last year. Uh, makes an, a really big difference because a lot of the other teams have lost guys. So as we stay the same, other the, a lot of the other guys are, from other teams are are now pro or whatever they're doing. So I think we're favored in in the in the point that our team uh, has stayed the same, like uh, if not improved a little bit, if you know what I mean. No, I do, and I love your confidence. Uh, you know, if any team's going to win it, I I suppose it can be a Big Ten team. I can get behind that. Um, but I, you know, part of the reason we at Cracked Rackets love college tennis so much is the team atmosphere. Like you mentioned, playing team tennis is so unique because tennis is really considered an individual sport. And I want to give our listeners a chance to get you know a little glance into the Ohio State locker room. Maybe not you guys throwing water bottles on each other after a celebration, but you know something a little different this time. So I want to ask you, of all of your teammates on this year's team. Who is the most enjoyable to go out with? To go out with? Uh, and, and don't, don't indict, indict anyone. You know, <laughs> <Wolf> are young. <laughs> no, I mean, it's tough. You know, during season, we, we barely get any chances to go out. I mean, we have a, we have a pre-packed schedule. You know, look at our schedule. We barely have a weekend off. I think we had, we had one weekend off the, this entire season where we were able to, you know, enjoy ourselves a little bit. But, uh, usually it's Sunday fun days that you know we we get together, you know, <laughs> just have some fun now and then because you know that's important too. Settle down mentally oh, okay. so it doesn't get so serious. But I don't know, man. I one of it's not, one of my best friends, you know, uh, throughout my entire college career is Herco. He graduated last year, Poland, and you know he still lives with us. He's a great guy. You know he doesn't he doesn't play anymore because of an injury, unfortunately. But uh, you know I I, I enjoy uh, having some fun with him. That's for sure. I think Ty will really like that answer that you're focused oh, yeah. on the tennis. That was that was good. Try to be uh, politically correct here, you know. I like it. So then we'll <laughs> we'll change gears a little bit. I'm not gonna let, I'm not gonna get get the Michigan guy to get me to talk to her about. My <laughs> yeah, there you go. You saw the angle there. I'm glad that's all. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I don't. I've checked for tattoos. Trust me. Um, <laughs> but okay. So then we'll change gears. Who's the best to get dinner with? Uh, to get dinner. That's a good question too, because man, you get you get uh, a little bit uh, a little bit exhausted from the dinner variety here uh, <laughs> in America. You know, coming from Denmark, we we eat you know a little bit differently to say the least. There's a lot of fast food going on here. You know, you gotta try to eat healthy, all that. But, you know, the freshmen are cool guys, so I, I like going uh, going to dinner with those guys. You know, uh, we're pretty we got a, a pretty good team chemistry, so it's not like someone's separating themselves, you know, completely, but. Uh, KJ's cool guy, like like uh, like grabbing dinner with him. You know, there's a lot of good guys on the team, so uh, yeah. So, so there's that. You know, you talk about it. Who's the best trash talker? The best trash talker. That might. Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, JJ does a good job. You know, trash talking. He's uh, he's done a good job. 
you know, keeping it politically correct, trash card, trash talk, of course, on the court. Yeah, I think he does a good job of that. If you included Ty in that conversation, does Ty talk the most trash? Uh, he's a good, he's a fun guy outside the court, on the on the court. You know, he comes on the court. You know, coaching is, seems, it's, you know, if you look from the outside, it's a little bit harsh at times. But he's a good guy, man. He's he's uh, he's doing what he thinks is best for the team, and he motivates guys and gets stuff going. That's for sure. So he's a fun guy to be around the court. He talks talks a lot of. A lot of good trash, that's for sure. But uh, you know who doesn't? All the guys from the from the team. You know we have some some banter going. It's fun to be around. I like it. Well, last two, I promise. All right. Biggest hook. Biggest hook. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that's a that's a good that's a good question. You know, I, I uh, gonna have to uh, gonna have to give give Riley Rice up for that one. <laughs> An Indianapolis guy, represent. Absolutely, he's sitting. He just came into my room. He's sitting next to me right now, so I'm allowed to call him out on that one. He's a good. <laughs> he's a good. He's a good little hook. Last question: Who is the cheapest member of the Ohio State tennis team? Damn, that's some serious questions you're asking me here. Yeah, look, it's like sixty minutes. Yeah. I mean, uh, feel free to consult with Riley. Yeah. <laughs> you would have thought it was Riley. No, I said feel free to consult with him. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sure. It, it might be Riley for all I know. We're both looking at each other right now. It's tough to call someone out. You know? so, uh, <laughs> I, think we, I think we're just going to leave that one there. That's a smart move. And uh, we'll transition. Gruskin, I love the questions, though. But uh, you, <laughs> you mentioned you were born in Denmark, had a decorated junior career, competed in all the junior slams. How, uh, how did you originally get into the game? Yeah, so uh, I live, uh, or my parents lives in a suburb of, of uh, Copenhagen, and it's like uh, I got to think of my metrics here. It's 200, 200 feet away from my parents' house was a country tennis club and a soccer club, so I, I naturally began playing both of those. My Both my parents uh, used to play every Sunday uh, tennis, and since you know they were younger as well, so they got me into that. They got me into playing uh, both tennis and soccer until I was... 15 16 where i didn't have time for both and uh i had i remember uh i think it was soccer i had like the danish championships and and at the same exact date as i did the tennis national championships so i i obviously had to choose because i couldn't be two places at once so my soccer coach at the time made me uh helped me make that decision by saying so you gotta you gotta figure out soon what you want if it's tennis or soccer and then a whole lot of cuss words that i'm not gonna say here and so i naturally chose, <laughs> chose tennis so uh so i kept on going with that but yeah that's how i got into it i, I would always you know after school run over uh, to the country clubs and play and and do whatever meet some meet some friends over there so so i spent a lot of my my younger years those two places so at what age did that conversation with your soccer coach take place? I think it was uh, around 15 where uh, I, I had such a packed schedule that I just didn't have time to play both. Uh, so, yeah, probably around 15. Well, shout out to him for um, essentially making you choose tennis. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You could, <laughs> you, could, you could say that. That was, that was mostly his decision because uh, it's safe to say I didn't get along very well with him, but. But uh, yeah, I mean, looking back at it, you know, don't know what it could have been to with soccer, but uh, but I'm glad <laughs> I chose tennis for sure. Oh well, you know, I'm mixed feelings again as a Michigan fan. But getting back to it, so you obviously had a successful junior career. You reached as high as 25 in the ITF juniors. 
Uh, and, you know, at the time you were recruited, there weren't that many college tennis players making the jump to the pros. Uh, in terms of your professional aspirations, you know, how did making the choice to go to college weigh in as a factor? I, I was faced with the choice of, of, of either going pro or, or going to college because uh, those were the only two options I really had. Since in Denmark, uh, there are only like a couple really really well respected universities that are are uh, that I wanted to go to and uh let's just be honest I didn't have the the grades after uh, 70% absence throughout my four years in high school to uh, to really pursue those places so, uh, <laughs> so so and also like college in De- in Denmark is, is really different than it is in you in the US like if you if you choose to go to school like at a university Copenhagen University there's no chance you have time to play tennis as well there are no college teams there are no nothing there so so uh, it was either going pro or, or going the American college way but uh, when I first talked to Ty because you used to know my I had a Swedish coach at the time you know my last year of juniors and Ty asked him about if I ever thought about going to college. And, uh, you know, I, my first response was, hell no, there's no chance I'm ever going. Um, but as, as I kind of realized that uh, it's going to be very expensive going pro right out of, uh, out of high school and, and uh, being, being a little bit immature at that time, too, you know, I just figured that why not just go to college, you know, see what it is, uh, if if I don't like it, if I don't think it's the right way, then after one or one and a half years, then, you know, I'm just going to go pro, you know, there's nothing to lose. And with the facilities we have here and, and all the opportunities you get going to college here is what people in my country don't really understand that actually people can use it as a stepping stone to going pro, which was my like idea with with college all along, like using it as a stepping stone and, and still is. I mean, I'm still... You know, my only way forward, if you ask me, is going pro, and you know, I have no plan B. So, uh, so definitely, that were those were the, the the thoughts I had when I when I had to choose between going pro or going to college. And honestly, uh, going to college, I mean, that decision has saved my saved my career because I have no doubt in my mind that if I would have gone right out of high high school, I, I wouldn't have been near the play level I, I am today. And and I would have run like you know dry in it. I would have I would have you know gone gone crazy mentally. There's a lot that I, I want to take from that, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But I do want to rewind. Um, you said Coach Tucker from Ohio State had a good relationship with your Swiss coach at the time. Um, yeah, my what, Swedish coach. Yeah, your your Swedish coach. So what was his recruiting style, and what was kind of his strategy there? Did you come take an official visit in Columbus? Also, typical Indiana, confusing the Swedish for the Swiss. Uh, <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I thought he said Swiss. I thought he said no, Swiss. Yeah, yeah. No. Classic Midwest. When you're in the presence of the Kingdom of Denmark, show some respect. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Ty is, uh, has been unbelievably good for my career. I mean, he's made me to the player I am today, no doubt about it. He's pushed me uh, He's uh, uh, speaking of the recruiting process. uh, He knew my my Swedish coach uh, because they used to play at the same time. They were ranked about the same. They used to play each other once or twice, I think. And and um, and Ty, uh, uh, my last year of of junior, started recruiting me and showing interest, uh, as well as a lot of other college coaches. I talked to a lot of guys, um, but I ended up taking a, a visit to here in Texas. University of Texas and here I took because 
I could see that this was one of the universities with a history of people going pro afterwards. And that was what weighed my decision the most, looking at people like uh, Blas Rola, Chase Buchanan, Connor Smith, Peter Cobalt. You know, there's so many people that are, has gone to Ohio State that has played pro and gotten up to three, even, you know, two, three, or even top 100. I mean, right out of college, Rola, of course, is a little bit special example. But uh, those guys have, have gotten extremely high very quickly. And, and I looked at that and I said that, uh, I said to myself that obviously the coaching staff has that in mind and they want to help people go pro. And, and I talked to Ty about it and said that this was really what I wanted with my tennis. And, and he understood that. And, you know, regarding the recruiting process and, and all that, he, he showed an insane amount of interest in, in me as a person and as a tennis player and, and really uh, made me feel like, man, I was a big shot and so on. I'm sure a lot of the college coaches and their strategies and whatnot want to make you feel like you're the man. But but I, I felt like he was really um, genuinely interested in in, uh, in helping me on my career and so on. And uh, and I, I uh, that eventually... You know, made me decide between between uh, my because my final decision came down to either Texas or or Ohio State, and I took a visit both places, and I really liked both places, no doubt. I I like the teams at, at both places because there Saren Hess Olsen, a, a Danish Cardinals player, used to play at, at Texas, and he hosted my visit there. Had a great time with him and so on. But but I felt something uh, something about Ohio State that that really was more professional minded to it, and that's honestly. Uh, what weighed my decision at the end of the day there. Uh, so two quick follow-ups. One, since he's in the room, what about Riley? Did him and your recruiting class play any factor in it? <laughs> he's actually, he left the room, but, uh, but uh, I didn't actually know Riley. He wasn't there on my visit, so I didn't get to meet him. But, uh, I mean, he's a great guy, one of my best friends at Ohio State. We have lived together since I was, I was a sophomore. So, uh, I mean, we had a lot of fun and, uh, but uh, but actually, Herko Polinen, since he's he's from Finland and uh, we've known each other, we played against each other since we we're, I mean, 11 to 12 years old. Uh, he used to be this uh, this huge guy. It's funny about him because he's looked the same since he was 11 years old. But uh, genetics work, <laughs> genetics works in funny ways with some people, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's, like he was it. one of my best friends, you know, back then. And before I went to college, I talked about a lot to, to him about Ohio State. And he felt the same way about the coaching and all that. So he wanted the same thing. He wanted to go pro after college. And uh, we had a lot of the same interests where we come from the same culture and so on. So it's nice to have a guy like, like him coming from a place similar like my own home to consult about these things. So so that played a lot, uh, played a big part in the decision as well, you know, knowing that he's he, uh, he was going to go here half a year before me. And my second follow-up, and this is less related to the recruiting, but have you ever seen Ty Tucker's calves? Because I think he's only in pants. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in famous sweats. He always wears those. Uh, and is it one pair of pants? Because I'm pretty sure there's some stains. Uh, no, I think he's got a, a, a rotation going. He's a, <laughs> I like it. He's a, but yeah, he likes the sweats. There, no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've occasionally seen him uh, without a hat and uh, with the uh, <laughs> with the sunglasses off. With the sweats, with the sweats pulled up to his knees. <laughs> you know, transitioning back to your tennis, as you mentioned, Ohio State. Yeah, right. Because we should talk about that at some point. Um, <laughs> 
But, you know, in terms of coming to Ohio State at, you know, a top five school in terms of men's college tennis, what did you feel, you know, the year before they had won the national indoor title and they lost a player like a Peter Cobelt? You know, is that did you feel that burden coming on to the team and playing, you know, one and two singles, you know, your freshman year? Yeah, absolutely. But it didn't put that much pressure, honestly, on me because I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know anything about college before I got here. Like people in my country, they kind of look down on college a little bit. They, their mentality is where uh, college is where good players go to die in the Danish Tennis Federation. And and uh, it's interesting mentality, but that's the one I had uh, wanting to break once I got here, if that makes sense. So um, I had no idea what to expect, but of course, having Cobalt to leave, Peter Cobalt to leave was a huge shoes to fill and going into the number two or one spot, um, my freshman year was, was huge, huge, uh, shoes to fill as well. And, uh, you know, coming into to college with, with a backhand and a forehand slice, cause I had a different grip my fresh, freshman year. That was, uh, that was rather interesting. So I'm glad they, they managed to change that over my, the summer of my freshman year, but, you know, it was uh, it was definitely a, a huge change of things, and and uh, and you know, fun for the most part. I mean, interesting. You know, I had to adapt to the culture and all that stuff. There was a lot going on my freshman year, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know, that freshman year, Illinois had a very special team. You know, they ended up winning the Big Ten title, and obviously, you ended up winning Big Ten title your next two years. But after that freshman year, you know, having a relatively down year by program standards, what was the motivating factor that summer? What brought your team, you know, back together to get back to that top level? That's a good question. I mean, uh, definitely uh, uh, was a a year that we didn't deliver what I guess we're supposed to or whatever uh, for Ohio state standards. But, you know, I mean, it's tough to just sit down and, uh, and accept a, a terrible season. So you got to do something about it. Right. So over the summer, I, you know, I, I practiced so much uh, with Ty and uh, with Justin and, and David Schilling, like our coaches here. And, and as I said, they managed to change my forehand. There's crazy. Like it was basically from one day to another, my level took a, a an insane jump. Whereas, I changed my forehand from basically hammer grip until uh, the grip I hold now, uh, Western grip. So uh, I, I remember doing it over, uh, I was actually visiting Riley uh, over the summer in Indiana just to take a couple days off um, with Herco as well at his house, at Riley's house. And we we're just, he's got a tennis yard, a tennis court in the backyard. And then I hadn't, br- I hadn't brought any rackets uh, Cause it was meant to be like, yeah, a, a mental break for a few days before we go back and resume practicing. But, uh, Herco had brought some of his rackets and, and I, uh, I took his racket and we just went to play some touch tennis, whatever in the, in the backyard. Cause it was nice out. And I, uh, I could feel Herco's forehand grip, uh, contrary to mine where I usually hold it. So I, picked <laughs> it up, I picked up the racket and, and held it like Herco does like the Western grip. And I say, Hey, this doesn't feel completely wrong. <laughs> so I started hitting some hitting some balls with that grip, and uh, two weeks later, with that grip, I well, actually, a, a couple of days later, I went back practice for two weeks uh, with that grip, and uh, two weeks later, I uh, I played the Pittsburgh Future and finaled that from the qualies, and I said, oh, maybe I should keep on hitting forehands like this. It kind of feels good. <laughs> so uh, that was a huge motivating factor, and made me realize that man, it's fun being able to hit forehands with topspin. Oh, I like it. It's like when Harry Potter used a different wand. 
<laughs> oh, but you know, so going into that sophomore year, you know, I, I was the only player you lost Chris Diaz after your freshman year. He was the only one, and you brought back the rest of the five. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, regardless, you know, the next year, obviously, you're the number one guy. Uh, you get to number one in the country. You end up making the NCAA finals in singles. You know, what was that ride like? Experiencing so much success as an underclassman. Yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. It was a fun ride, and uh, a lot of pressure came with it too. You know, I, I played every single match with a target on my back, and people wanted to beat me, and I had a lot of close calls and. And uh, had a great season, you know, a regular season, uh, went undefeated, but then ended up losing a couple matches in the in the final tournament as, as I got a little bit tired mentally. But, uh, I mean, it was unbelievable to figure out that uh, that all the work I put in the summer and, and uh, the previous year, I mean, it kind of paid off. And, uh, and it made me realize that uh, that season and my Davis Cup matches and my future and challenger matches kind of made me realize that uh, hey I actually have a, a realistic chance of, of being able to play with some of the best guys you know and uh, and uh, maybe be able to make it someday uh, myself so that, that that was a huge confidence boost and uh, and uh, that sophomore year was you know incredibly uh, fun to, to play and to to ride out so yeah that was that was good good stuff. Yeah, and you're, you know, kind of piggybacking on that question. You were number one in the country for five weeks in the spring leading up to NCAAs, getting the one seed. Uh, Talk about that run and just the amount of confidence you had going in NCAAs. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of confidence. Uh, The one thing uh, that is worth noticing is, or noticing, uh, like mentioning, is that uh, it was played in Tulsa, right? And uh, it's no secret, I'm not really an outdoor slow court kind of tennis player. I I like indoor. (laughs) I like uh, I like you like Columbus hard courts. Yeah, you know I I grew up on on wooden floor, you know, uh, indoor in Denmark. You know, it gets cold, so we play on on hand on team handball courts. I just paint some lines on it, and we go play. And you know, when there's Davis Cup back in the day, we used to play on wooden courts. So I mean, that's where my forehand slice and my baseball backhand came from. So outdoor courts in in Tulsa wasn't really heavily favoring my game. Um, but luckily it ended up raining. So I played Cameron Norrie and inside, uh, the semifinal and, and, uh, you know, outdoor against McKenzie, Mackie McDonald's, you know, it's tough to play him on those courts. You know, I would have liked to play that, that match or that whole tournament over again at the, at an indoor facility, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, Columbus, even though that would be great, but, uh, but uh, indoor anywhere, you know, is my preferred surface. So going into the tournament, I knew I had to, you know, change up my game plan a little bit, you know, maybe play a little bit more patient. And and uh, I couldn't just serve and hit my backhand as hard as I could down the line because that doesn't really work on Tulsa outdoor courts. Um, but those are, are the kind of the things. But of course, I had a lot of confidence. I had, lot of, I had won a lot of matches in a row. I'd had a great run and so on. But I, I kind of try to look at it realistically and, and try to, of course, have the goal of end, ending it up by winning the NCAs, of course. But but I took one match at a time. You know, it's tough to do anything else. So uh, so that was that was the end of that sophomore run there. That was great. Definitely. And coming back into your junior season, you know, you have such a great uh, summer results. You win a future. And then obviously that winter you end up playing the Columbus Challenger and winning it, you know, on your home court. Uh, at that point, given all you had accomplished your sophomore year, were there any thoughts of turning pro? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was a point uh, definitely in in my career where where I thought that this might be an, a realistic point of of going pro uh, for sure. But there's a a huge difference between being able to deliver one week uh, at the top of your level and being able to deliver eight weeks in a row at the top of your level. And uh, that that year, that fall, I uh, I played the Challenger in Vegas well where i played some unbelievably uh uh good matches i beat cut kudlan krychek and some of those guys in vegas and and i realized that i i uh obviously didn't win that i, I lost to uh to the guy who ended up winning the tournament but um it's it's more about being able to deliver consistently being a pro and i felt like i still had some work to do so that was the biggest kind of factor in that decision um but after here after i'm done in may which is uh i look back at i, I look back at my college career and i don't regret not going pro because i'm I'm happy to still be here because I'm, I'm still at a, at a point where i can improve of course i'm always going to be but i felt like i improved men- mentally and i improved those part of my game that i wanted to improve uh, and that I that I didn't feel ready still to to go out and play pro after even winning the challenger and so on because obviously I mean I had the home courts the home crowd I had I had everything in my favor that week uh, and, you, and you're not you're not gonna have that every week in the pro definitely uh, so that was that was a big thing and you alluded to it there but you defeated Benjamin Becker in three in the final in Columbus. Right. How was the crowd? It had to be electric at a, you know, basically a home match for you. I mean, it was definitely a, a home match. You know, there were so many people. The the, the crowds were stacked, and and in my favor. I mean, every time, you know, I, I hit a I hit a good shot, or uh, he missed a long point, or so on. I mean, the crowd was going crazy. So having the crowd in your back, you know, means means everything. I mean, you can see in college matches where. You know, you go places like Georgia and, and they have a thousand people in the stands, you know, I mean, it's it's tough to play. So uh, definitely um, uh, it played a huge role having the crowd and the courts in, in my favor that week, that's for sure. Well, I do want to ask one more fun question about that summer because I have a theory and Dalton has heard it before that tennis, because it's an individual sport, uh, we happen to have a better memory about who we played in the big moments just because you see your opponent, you know, you find what reasons to hate him for motivations for the match. And so I I do want to ask you a quick trivia question. You know, the Finland, I I want to take our fans back to the Finland F3 Futures, August 15th to August 21st of 2016. There, a young rising junior named Mikhail Torpregard from the Kingdom of Denmark uh, comes into the draw and ends up winning his first Futures title. And so my question right. to you, Torp, do you remember who you played in the semifinals and finals of that tournament and what the scores were? Uh, the final score was 7-6-6-1, I believe, or something like that. It was 0-5, but close enough. Yeah. And do you remember who you played? The semifinal, I played an Australian guy. Yeah, I forget his name, but I do remember that the day before I played him, he had a semi sleeve uh, tattooed on his forearm, so uh, he couldn't really uh, hit 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 that forehand that great. So, uh, so that was interesting. A uh, little fun fact about that match, but uh, his name was <sighs> I forget. I'll give you the first name was Ben. I'll give you that if that helps. Ah, Ben. Ay, ay, ay. Ben. First letter is P. Patel, Ben Patel. Ah, uh, Ben Patel. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And yeah. um, the finals was was he British? 
He was Austrian. Austrian. Uh, Peter Goldsteiner. Yeah. Goldsteiner. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. I remember. <laughs> I do, however, I do, however, remember the the final we played against Patrick Rosengren and Daniel Appelgren from Sweden in the doubles final. <laughs> Me and Herko. But, uh, oh, I was, love it. That was funny because uh, that's one of the many reasons why Herko is a is a great dude. Is uh, halfway through the first set, we're on serve. It's three all, and and it's deuce or something. There, serve, and uh, Herko ha- has a a return. On a second serve, and uh, he hits the return pretty well coming forward, and the guy barely managed to get it over the net, and Herko completely whiffs the forehand. And I look at him, and I go, Herko, what the hell just happened? And he, <laughs> uh, he looks at me, and he goes, uh, well, uh, I was just standing in no man's land enjoying my lasagna. And uh, <laughs> we had lasagna for our lunch set, and, and he ate a lot of it. And he was just thinking about lasagna instead of hitting the forehand there. So <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head, but uh, the kinda, that was the kind of summer I spent with Kirko there. But, yeah, great, uh, great week. I like it. And just in terms of uh, your relationship with Herco, one last question, because I heard a rumor that should the tennis not turn out the way you want, you will be in a rock band <laughs> with Herco. And I just, you know, what's your role in that band? Do we have a band title? We do, uh, we do have a band, and uh, the band consists of me and Herco as of right now. So uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is exciting. I mean, we spend so many hours, you know, when we're not playing tennis, we live together in the same house here in Columbus, and uh, we kind of turned my room into a, a band practice slash studio where we record our stuff and and try to you know jam uh, as much as we can. But currently, the I'm sitting uh, I'm sitting on my drum chair right now. So Herco's uh, Herco plays the drums for the band and. Uh, and I play the guitar. Are you the lead singer as well, or wh- how does that work? <laughs> so uh, we we titled uh, we titled Rilo uh, temporary manager for right now. <laughs> uh, you know we're gonna need him to to get his connections to to get us some gigs now and then and uh, definitely. So uh, now we've got a lot of good stuff in here. I mean we're having so much fun just uh, playing music. It definitely uh, definitely uh, if. If someone were to realize our, our insane hidden talents, you know, if, uh, <laughs> if tennis doesn't work out, then, then uh, being a rock star doesn't sound that, that bad after all. So you do have a plan B then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Well, you know, if you guys are looking for a name, you know, you can go with maybe DJ One Dubs because you guys obviously play DJ One Dubs. Wow. That's so creative, Gresson. It's a deep cut. Uh, it's a deep as cut. Of right now, uh, as of right now, we're called the Hammerman. <laughs> and that has a, a, a longer backstory to it as well. That, but uh, basically, it's, it's it's Swedish and hammer, so it's a hammer. So uh, you gotta remember to to uh, to roll the the R's right. But uh, the name came from our doubles too, because when Herko and I we uh, we play the doubles, we like to scream absurd things at people you know in croatian and <laughs> swedish and and try to get in their heads and uh, and uh it kind of came from that and and also the style we were playing herko and i when we played doubles was just you know see ball hit ball as hard as you can so uh <laughs> there there came the hammer men from uh but now once we actually because we do have plans of eventually releasing an album um I like we, it. Uh, I like we definitely, it. Uh, we thought of it, you know, uh, we have eight or nine songs recorded, not not out or anything, but we have them recorded, but we got to get them professionally uh, produced and stuff like that. But 
definitely could be fun to release an album. You know, if people like it, go with it. But I mean, if they don't, you know, we have fun doing it. The offer always stands to publish on the Cracked Rackets website. We're looking for a new opening song for the podcast, so if you want a soft release. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're in the works of making a, uh, a soft, kind of catchy song about our college career, but I'm not sure the world is ready for that one yet. And it's still <laughs> in the makings. And uh, I'm not sure that's so politically correct either, so uh, we'll, we'll let you know on that one. <laughs> I can't wait for that to uh, be released to the public. Uh, <laughs> I do want to get one question in because we want to be cognizant of your time, but we can't forget about your Davis Cup tenure playing for Denmark. Oh, um, man. How was playing Rafa in Denmark in 2015? I mean, it was it was absurd. Still surreal uh, experience and and the most fun experience I've had ever playing tennis, you know, playing Nadal and Ferrer on my home courts with my home crowd, you know, my whole family there, my friends, you know, growing up and, and everybody I knew, you know, came out, supported and, and uh, actually having a shot at the first set, you know, uh, also was a wake up call that I, I actually was able to play with some of those guys, you know, um, of course it's on wooden floor and Nadal's forehand loses a little bit of the, <laughs> the spin it has on it and uh, and I get a little bit more out of my serve but I mean it was it was just so much fun I mean uh, out out you know pay pay a good amount of money to go back and relive that moment that's for sure yeah you know Dalton is trying to be kind about your time but I have too many questions so I'll just try and go faster uh <laughs> but no 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 of course I I understand but so I do have to ask about your junior year because I am a college tennis fanatic and one of my favorite matches you know in my okay I'll give you my top two matches real quick number one uh or number two I guess was when USC beat Virginia I think it was the 2011 final and Daniel Nguyen hit the volley on Sanam Singh that was an unbelievable match but maybe Maybe my, my second favorite has to be your battle with Wake Forest in the ITA semis your junior year. You know, that's a match between two of the top three teams in the country, a match that comes down to, I believe you were ranked number two in Wake Forest's one singles player, Petros Chirsokos. Was ranked number one. Chirsokos, yeah, was number one. Uh, you know, that was a match. Was it 5 7 7 6 7 6? Um. Something like that. It was. It was. Uh, yeah. Either that or seven six five seven seven six. Something like that. It was absurd. I mean, that was also that was probably uh, my favorite uh, match of of uh, my college career for sure. It was so. I one of the things that was crazy about that match is I was down three zero in each one of the sets. Uh, I ended up getting broken right off the bat, and I was down a double break in one of the sets three zero. But. Uh, uh, managed to get it back, and uh, at the end of the, the the match, you know, I was cramping, and and uh, actually at, I think it was three all in the third, I fell on my wrist, so I couldn't really hit my backhand towards the end of the third set. Uh, but I was on so much adrenaline and so so, so many painkillers as the interview after the match also <laughs> also stressed. But uh, I'm sure you I'm sure you heard that one too. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Definitely uh, my favorite match. I mean, that that feeling of just winning that and, you know, getting rushed by all my teammates in, in, in the semifinals of the National Indoors was just absurd. You know, it was so much fun. And those are, are the things, as I remember you said earlier, about the tennis being an individual sport. And 
And uh, that that moment is one of the moments, you know, where you realize that oh, there's more to, to it than just your own match and, and you have a team and so on. That's why it's so much fun to play college tennis matches as well as Davis Cup because you're, you know, playing for something that's greater than yourself and so on. And and people say that and yada, yada, it's greater than yourself. But honestly, in those moments, it is. I mean, you're playing for for 12 or 13 other team members, you know, you carry, you have them on your back once you're, you're trying to clinch out a point and and that's just an amazing, amazing feeling that those matches, I mean, that's that's what I play college tennis for, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, in that tournament, you end up beating, you know, your your team loses to Virginia in the final, but you end up winning your match and your name right. most outstanding player, despite, right. you know, your team end up losing. It really was one of the finest perform, you know, individual performances I've seen. And so, yeah, I mean, how do you come back the next day for that final? Like you said, you're, you know, blasted with painkillers. Talk mentally, you know, going off after a match against the Chrysotis, a match like that, a, a physically, you know, exhausting and mentally exhausting match, and, and then reset your mind and do it all over again the day after. I mean, it's it's unbelievably tough mentally, but just the feeling of, of clinching and, and the, the feeling that you know you can have after clinching a, a match like that, you know, that's the feeling you play for and you want that happening again. So that alone is a it's enough motiv- motivational factor to, you know, wake up and do it all all over again and and almost hope that your team is at three all and you have a chance to clinch again. Totally. And, you know, moving forward into that NCA that, you you know, you guys were as competitive as any team. You play a TCU team with Cam Nori, you know, Rybakov right. up top and you scrape that one off 4-3. Right, right. Um, then, you you know, you end up coming back and playing Virginia the next day. That's a match. You know, you win 7-6 in the third. How much of a grind is that, you know, mentally and emotionally just going through such physically and emotionally stressful matches? Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievably exhausting, both mentally and physically. I mean, at the end of such a long season where we had so many matches and so much practice in, in such a short amount of time, you know, of course, six months isn't there, or four months or five months or however much it is, isn't short amount of time. But it really feels uh, like a lot of matches in a very short amount of time. And, and you're obviously going to be very exhausted, uh, mostly mentally after such a long season. So it's it's about the team that are, are mentally the strongest and, and that can handle uh, coming out again and again and again and delivering the same uh, effort, playing, you know, 90% or more of your level every single time. Because uh, at the end of the day, winning NCAA matches, especially quarter, semis, and even the final, I mean, you don't win those unless... All of the guys, one through six in the doubles point, you play absolutely amazing and you play 90% of your of your tennis. Obviously, you got to have a great team and so on. But the guys, I mean, they have to deliver in order uh, in order for you to win. I mean, constantly. And that's what's so exhausting that you, you know that if you lose, there's a good chance at a higher spot that, that the team is going to lose as well. And having that on your back and having a target on your back is unbelievably tough mentally, but uh, you got to do it. And, and, uh, and uh, if anyone can do it, I think it's, it's this team just this year. Cause I believe in the guys, you know, they're good guys. We have fun outside the court as well. And, and uh, I believe that, that uh, people really have one common goal and that's to win the title. Yeah, and we, you know, I think we all believe that your experience the last few years, you know, with the guys on the team, the depth of this team definitely has what it takes to go the distance in May. And um, it's only a few weeks away, as crazy as that is. Um, have you have you scouted out, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament's a little over a month away. Have you scouted out your summer uh, for the pro circuit afterwards? 
Uh, I'm in the middle of, of a lot of things right now. I'm uh, first of all in the in the middle of, of uh, getting my pro visa, my P1A, I believe it's called. Oh, congratulations! That's awesome. Cue the applause, Westoff. <laughs> well, don't don't congratulate me early because I haven't gotten it yet. But I'm in the middle of the process. <laughs> I'm I'm in the middle of process uh, of the process of getting that, and, and hopefully Trump will let me stay. Fingers um, <laughs> uh, crossed. My plan is to uh, to stay in Columbus and uh, base out of Columbus and play pro tennis out of Columbus. And I made a lot of great connections both uh, on and off the courts here. That'll that'll help me. Um, you know, uh, that'll set up the best uh, possible scenario for my pro tennis career. And I believe that. And I have to make the decision: Do I go pro out of Columbus or do I go pro out of uh, out of Denmark and and that decision was pretty simple for me because Danish tennis isn't at the point personally for me where I feel like I'm comfortable going pro out of like there are not a lot of players there are some great players Freddie Nilsson you know but we're not very many players and and um and uh you know the facility at Ohio State is unbelievable you know it's tough to it's tough to to uh, go wake up in in Denmark and you have to call seven different people who are not nearly at your level and beg them to come practice, you know, three, four hours a day. You're not going to find that. But here you wake up, you you uh, walk down to the courts, you drive down to the courts, and there's 15 other people that are people that are close to the, to the level you're at, and they want to practice as much as you do. So that in mind, I mean, I had I had no doubt that Columbus was the, the place I wanted to go pro out of. And, and I made, as I said, a, a lot of great connections. I'm still going to gonna be in, in close contact with Ty and, and the coaching staff here. Um when I when I go pro and they're gonna help me and I can practice, you know, in Columbus when I'm here, I can I can talk to Rola, I can talk to a lot of these guys and I made some friends already on the circuit as well that are basing out of out of uh, the states and it, it, it just makes the whole process a lot easier. But as I said, you know, I gotta I gotta schedule. I haven't gotten around to scheduling the exact tournaments I'm gonna play uh yet but uh it's right uh above it this couple of weeks in, in in two three weeks i'm gonna have it down and I'm, I'm hopefully gonna have my visa i'm gonna have everything exactly planned out so i can take my mind off that and just focus on playing you know full time and, and dedicating all my time to delivering on the court absolutely and we cannot wait to uh you know watch you the next few weeks but also afterwards so You've definitely got all the resources at your disposal in Columbus. But we are going to move on to a fan favorite here at Cracked Rackets, the, the rapid fire segment. We're going to ask 10 questions, 8 to 10 questions, and you're going to provide one word answer. So you ready to rock? I'm ready. Favorite tennis player? Evo mm, Kovic. Herko Polinen. Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, best sorority at Ohio State? Alpha Phi. <laughs> Uh, best ping pong player on the Buckeyes? Uh, off the tennis team? Yeah. <laughs> Mikel Torbjörn, come on. <laughs> Fortnite or FIFA? Uh, FIFA. Favorite meal off the court? Depends if I'm in the state or uh, if I'm back home. Back home, uh, uh, they got a lot of good seafood like salmon. Uh, but here, probably Chipotle. There you go. I actually just had some Chipotle myself. Uh, <laughs> I have a Chipotle gift card in my wallet. <laughs> uh, bag or apartment? What do you clean first? Neither. <laughs> uh, if you were to take away any stroke, which would it be? <laughs> my volleys. Favorite song or artist right now? Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. Favorite surface? Wooden floor. In Denmark. Favorite city in the world? That's a good one. 
uh, uh, Stockholm, Sweden. That's in Switzerland, right? Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> favorite athlete, non-tennis related? Christian Eriksson, soccer. Ooh. Favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is? Ah, the smell. Bingo. Awesome. Oh, I love it. Wait, I got to sneak in. Sorry. One question, one comment. One, Dalton, I give you a lot of shit, but that Fortnite FIFA question was very trendy. So well done. <laughs> that, that was, that yeah, that's a good one. I actually, I don't play either of them. I used to play a little bit of FIFA, but I'm a big soccer guy. I used to follow the, the Premier League very closely before the time, time difference kind of got the best of me here. But I used to be a, a huge Liverpool fan. Well, hey, Torp, thanks again for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Hey, enjoyed thanks it. for having me, man. That was a lot of fun. For sure, for sure. Best of luck in the Big Ten Conference tourney and, of course, at NCAAs here in a couple weeks. Thanks. Yeah, and, you know, I'm actually thinking about making the drive to Iowa. That's how crazy I am for the Big Ten tourney. Uh, you know, I will be the one screaming and chirping in the Michigan gear, and I'll brush up on my Danish <laughs> so that we can have a little conversation. But really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Later. Thanks for listening to Gruskin and I's conversation with Torp. He's had one hell of a college career at Ohio State, and we'll be eagerly watching to see how the Buckeyes wrap up the season going to NCAAs as the number three team in the nation. Um, of course, they won the Big Ten regular season title, and we recorded this before the Big Ten tournament, so we'll see how they do there as well. But all the best to Torp. Great guy. Thanks for an awesome interview. Um, also wanted to make sure we give a shout-out to our producer, the magician. As always, Daniel Westoff for making this sound so smooth and making us sound smart around here. Thanks, Westoff. And on the horizon, we have some great interviews coming for you. Carousel former UCLA standout, and more on the horizon. So stay tuned. Take five seconds to go subscribe to the Cracked Interviews podcast as well as the Great Shot podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and go like the Facebook page. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Only five stars, please, and thank you. We're also now on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and wherever you get your podcasts. So check us out there. And I know most of you have been doing this because we've been growing astronomically the last few weeks and months. But go tell those tennis heads in your circle and in your network about Cracked Rackets. You know the people in your friends uh, or your family groups uh, that are all about tennis. Tell them about Cracked Rackets, but you already know that. But for one, Alex Gruskin, Daniel Westoff, I'm Dalton Thieneman, and we will see you next time, Crack fans. Just keep up everything is up your seat. You will be good, but you will be poor. You will be good, but you will be poor. You will be good, but you will be poor. I learn every day it is a praise of pleasure. Max, we know all tennis fans love the thrill of a Grand Slam event. You know, there's something to those huge crowds going crazy for their favorite players. But 
there's something to be said about the intimacy of a small crowd. You know, what comes to mind for me is college tennis or the challenger levels where the crowd may not be as big, but you know, everyone's rooting together. You feel very involved with your fellow crowd members. And I'm just wondering, are there events where ATP players are playing in a much more intimate atmosphere? Alex, you couldn't have asked a better question because there is. This August 19th through 22nd, we've got the Stowe Mountain Lodge Classic hosted at beautiful Vermont's Green Mountains, Spruce Peak Stadium. Let me tell you, Alex, this place is gorgeous. You know, I think you sent me the website for this, and it really is gorgeous. It's in like a valley like with beautiful mountains and trees surrounding it. Oh, absolutely. The stadium court is one to impress. And let me tell you, there's some great names that have come to this tournament in the past. Last year, naming a few. We had Jared Donaldson, young gun Francis Tiafo, who's been on a run this year. Are you saying Donaldson's not a young gun? He is a young gun. He's part <laughs> of the next-gen crew. But let me tell you, Tiafo's taking the next step. <laughs> well, maybe he drives his Porsche from the Delray title to this event. I'm just wondering, would I have a chance to see it? Well, that would be a sight to see, and you might, because there's a players party before the tournament starts. That Saturday night, the fans will have a chance to interact with all of the players before the tournament starts. Well, you know I consider myself the Cracked Rackets tennis historian, and a lot of people think Vermont, they think maple syrup, they think Bernie Sanders, but it actually has a rich history of tennis events. You think back to the 2007 Fed Cup Semi, you know, the 93-94 U.S women hardcore some of my favorite events to watch on youtube so i'm really happy to hear vermont has such a great professional event and we mentioned this earlier but there's just nothing more beautiful than that valley of vermont in summertime i hear you alex and you know something you mentioned earlier about these intimate settings that is just so special to the fans Grand Slam Tennis Tours actually offers a special opportunity to travel to all these types of events all around the world. And if you like the event that we've got here at the Stowe Mountain Lodge Classic, they can even take you to the Grand Slams. I mean, I've always wanted to go to the U.S. Open, and, you know, if we do a good enough job, maybe they'll hook us up with press passes. And, and give it to us. But, yeah, this event sounds great. You've made a solid case, Maxie. And one more fun fact about Vermont. I happen to know that the Spruce Peak Performing Arts Center is right next to the Stowe Mountain Lodge. So get myself a little tennis, pop next door, catch myself a nice classical show. I'll make a weekend out of it. And like you mentioned, this event starts August 19th, ends August 22nd. If you're a parent, it's right before your kids go back to school. If you're a college kid, right before you're off to your campus. You know, if you're a junior, beg your parents. That's your end of summer trip before you go back to the long school grind. It sounds like the event for tennis fans. Look, this year they're adding two more players and it really doesn't get much better than this. You've made your case. Where can I go get my tickets? www.stowtennis.com. One more time, please. I have a hard fear. That's a www.stowetennis.com. www.stowtennis.com. That's it, Alex. So www.stowtennis.com. Let me hear it one more time. www.stowtennis.com. Get your tickets today, and we'll see you in August. Dots are also periods. Mm-hmm.